Welcome to the Authentic Church Podcast with Jeff and Fawn Peterson in Orange County, California, where our mission is simply to love God, love people, and live authentic. For more information on Authentic Church, visit us online at AuthenticOC.com. Thank you for listening. Well, if you have your Bibles, uh, you can turn to Luke chapter 9. We're going to jump into some stuff there in Luke chapter 9. And for those of you that are super coordinated, in your Bible, and you want to flip, and you want to hold the spot in 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 uh, in Galatians six. Those are going to be kind of the two areas where we're going to camp out on a few key verses today. Luke chapter nine. Um, last week we had baptisms at the church. How awesome was that for those of you that are here? So great. Uh, we ended up having a number of people that were baptized, and it was rad that uh, two people that were baptized last weekend. Um, it happened to be their first Sunday ever visiting uh, Authentic Church. And, uh, and they're, they're back again today, so it's just so awesome. Uh, so welcome, good to see you again, and uh, good to hear what the Lord is continuing to do in your life. Uh, but after the baptisms on Sunday, my wife and I, we, we got out of town. Somebody blessed us with a, a little getaway over to uh, Palm Desert area, to La Quinta, and they had a house over there with a pool, so that was cool. So we got out of town, and when we arrived into town, I think it was like 116 degrees, and it just makes you so glad that you're not going to hell, you know? I mean, it's just like... <laughs> You know, it's, it's hot, you know. When the low that night's 98 degrees, all right, it's hot, you know. And so we went over there and spent a few days. And when we were there, uh, I, I, I taught my kids poker. And so uh, before you get judgmental, poker is just, it's just a card game played with some chips. If you can bet money on anything in the world, all right? Um, you can bet money in Uno, all right? And so I, I, I chose to, my kids, I wanted to teach them poker and strategy and have a fun card game. And so if you're not familiar with poker, uh, we play Texas Hold'em. And so basically you're dealt two cards. Everybody at the table is dealt two cards. And then the dealer flips over three cards, that's the flop, and then one more, that's the turn, and then the final card is the river. So my son River thought that was super cool, that there was a card named after him in the card game. And so, uh, so we played it, but there's some strategy because when you, when you, before you, you actually get dealt any cards, you got to ante up, right? Uh, you, have to, you have to give an ante. And so, you know, and my kids are playing with these chips, and the chips are like, they range from like $1 chips to 500 So they're like, I'll see your 500 and raise you 1000 right? Like, they just think that they're like just the boss, you know? And so we're, we're having fun playing poker with the kids. And so they're going, you have to ante up. Before you even know what cards you're dealt, you're saying, hey, I'm, I'm, in, I'm in this round. And you could get junk cards, and then like, I'm out. And then you just wasted your ante, right? And so you go around, and as you play, the goal is, obviously, that you want to accumulate more chips than you're losing in the pot. And so I'm teaching my kids how to do this and teaching them strategy. And, of course, my youngest son, August, he's, like, all in on every he, – he has nothing in his hand, but he's all in, man. And he's doing his best to bluff you. He thinks it's really cool until he bluffed Dad and Dad had the cards, you know what I mean? And so he thinks it's all awesome until he watched all of his winnings come over. Hey, don't – no, no, no. If you want to play, you got to learn, you know. So, so, we, so I teach him play poker. And, you know, it's funny because, you know, we're playing. And you could have one hand that you thought was so hot that you just went all in and you lose it. But then it only takes one good hand to come bring it all back. And, and so I taught my kids a lesson about when, it, when, you, when to go on all in and when not, right? I, I, I took a word out of the amazing prophet Kenny Rogers. You got to know when to hold them. And you got to know when to fold them, and you got to know when to walk away, right? So we, we had a fun time over there. 
Uh, but it kind of coincides with our series that we've been doing called All In. Uh, if you were here last uh, week, we started a series called All In, and it was really started out of a, a burden that I felt. Sometimes you get an inspiration uh, to share a word, and other times you feel a deep burden. And I have a deep burden um, in, uh, for the body of Christ that we've placed such a premium on trying to get people to buy in, trying to get people to ante up for Christ, that we, we didn't tell them the, the, about being a sold-out disciple or a disciple follower of, of Jesus Christ. We put so much of a premium on, hey, pray this prayer and, and become a convert, rather than, hey, uh, when the disciples became a disciple, like, they sold everything. Like, they, when they accepted Jesus and got baptized, it meant they, some of them couldn't go home to their families that night because they were going to be rejected. It meant that their business that they had, they could no longer do business in the marketplace because people found out that they were a Christ follower and that they would cut them out of society. And, and, and that type of uh, religious persecution still happens to this day. Uh, as our friend Casey Tate, who's one of our overseers, is here. She's, she's here. She's an overseer for Authentic Church, but she lives usually lives in, in Israel. And there's still persecution that's going on in that day among Christians, trying to, Christians like Casey that are amazing, trying to get back into the country. Sometimes they just won't let you do that uh, because they know that you're a Christian, and so you have to be, have to be wise. But um, I wanted to put more of a premium on what does it look like to go all in? What does it look like to go all in for Christ? And, you know, for some of you that got baptized, uh, you went all in. And this week was hard. <laughs> you know, and sometimes when you take a step like that, you take a step for, of faith, and you're like, yeah, Sunday's awesome. And it's like heaven's rejoicing, and hell just took notice. And so the devil tries to throw everything he can at you that next week. Anytime you try to make a move that's going to result in more blessing, more of a godly lifestyle that God's calling you to live, anytime you take a step that direction, I don't want you to be surprised if hell comes knocking at your door. Um, I had a company back in Texas, still have it, and one of the things that we did is we trained our guys how to go get business, and, and literally they would knock doors. So we did residential construction, roofing construction based on insurance claims, and we would have our guys go and literally just knock on your door and ask you if you'd like a complimentary roof inspection. And if, and if that we discovered any damage, the goal was then that we would help you walk through that process with your insurance company and that we would help navigate that process and we would be the contractors that ends up actually doing the work because no contractor likes to do an estimate and do a bunch of legwork if you ain't going to get the job. So we wanted to have something on paper that said we were going to get the job. And so we would train our guys. Well, I did not train our guys like, hey, if you knock on the door, they're probably going to respond all happy and loving to you and be very excited. To No, I wanted to train our guys for like the worst case scenario, all right? So I'm going to give you some worst case scenarios when it comes to Christianity, but it's actually not worst case scenario because to be absent in the body is going to be present with Jesus. And so no matter what happens on this earth, no matter what happens in your life or my life, if you've put your faith, hope, and trust in Jesus Christ, the good news is you're going to spend all of eternity together with us there. And you're going to be staring at my ugly face and my, my beautiful wife's face for the rest of all of eternity in heaven. Luke chapter 9, Jesus said this in verse 23. He said, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. This is Luke 9, 23. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but for whoever loses their life for my sake will save it. Now, I'm not suggesting that we're going to die 
physically. Um, but I am saying that we must all die in some ways in our lives. And if Christ could go to the cross for you, I think we could all take up our cross daily and follow him. And it's not just our great responsibility, it's our great privilege. Uh, years ago, my wife and I, uh, we got invited to one of those auctions, those black tie galas. You get all dressed up. The women love it. They get to go and pick out a nice dress, even though they got like 20 of them in the closet. For some reason, they need one they've never been seen in before, even though nobody remember. well, at least the men don't remember what you wore to the last one, but they need a new one. And so we get dressed up and we go to this, this gala with some friends of ours, and, and the people that invited us, they're mentors in our lives, and, uh, and they're incredible people. And, and so we, we go, and, and you sit there, and it's an auction. It's a fundraiser, and it's a fun night, and there's the, you know, the filet mignon. You either pick chicken or steak, that type of a deal. And you're sitting there, and then they, they start the auction. And they have the paddles, if you've ever been to one of those, and you got a paddle. It's fancy. I mean, I, I, I grew up Catholic, and we would have, like, a spaghetti feed auction where you'd be, like, trying to, like, buy, you know, a, you know, a, a foursome at a cheap golf course somewhere, right? And you're going to pay overpriced for it, and then it's going to raise all the money for the school. Well, well, not this auction. This auction is like cruises and penthouse suites and rent a Ferrari for the day. It's one of those types of auctions, right? And so I'm really apparent that we don't belong in this room, <laughs> you know, very quickly <laughs> based on our wealth and everybody else's, but we're in the room. And so we're hanging out, you know, we're having fun, kind of pretending like you're a big shot for the night, you know? And so so we, we start going, and, and they start telling about this luxury vacation rental, this penthouse suite, and it's on the top floor, and it's three bedrooms in Puerto Vallarta. And Mitch, my buddy who invited us, he's like, that's ours. You know, we, we donated that. And I'm like, oh, that's awesome. And I'm looking at the pictures. He goes, it's amazing. It's the best vacation you'll ever have. And so as the auctioneer is starting to talk about it, they're like, oh, you know, they show all the pictures and they share how it is. And you can just, man, you, 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 you can smell the coconut oil and everything else. Like, I mean, you're there, you know. And, and, and then they're like, so we're going to start the bidding, you know. And, and so everybody's all excited because you don't know where the bidding's going to start. And they say six, and I'm like, dude, I'm throwing, and I'm thinking it's going to be 600. And it started at 6,000, and I'm the only bid. <laughs> and my wife and I at this point in our life are broke, you know. I immediately feel my wife's beautiful nails that she did digging into my thigh, like, huh. And the auctioneer is saying, we have six. We have an opening bid of six thousand. Anybody else have a bid of it? And they're just going like, you know, do we do we hear do we hear seven thousand? Do I have a bid for seven thousand? Seven thousand? Seven thousand? Seven thousand? No bid for seven thousand. Do we hear sixty-eight hundred? Sixty-eight hundred? Nothing. Crickets, man. Crickets. Crickets. Sixty-five hundred. Sixty-four hundred. <sighs> My heart's palpitating. I'm like ready to fake a heart attack just so I, they can wheel me out so I don't have to finish out what this is, you know. And then all of a sudden, somebody across the table. Apparently, we were sitting at the rich people table. So we're sitting there. Somebody across the table goes, they, and they threw theirs up at like 6,200. And I'm like, <laughs> you know. And then they're looking at me like, you want to start a bid war? You know, they're like, do we hear 6,500, sir? And I'm like, <laughs> if it was 6,250, you had me. But 6,500, I'm out, you know. I'm like, <gasps> like the nervousness that I felt. In that moment, had I had to buy that, one, I didn't have the money, so I'd have to tell the guy that brought me that donated it, hey, bro, sorry, 
whoops, rookie mistake, my fault. I'll leave the paddle down until I hear the full story. I want to give you the full story today, okay? <laughs> Back about 400 years ago in 1563, there was a man that was named John Fox, and he gave historical accounts of those who went all in for Christ. And at that time, the book became the largest publishing project that was ever undertaken in England. And the book was produced and illustrated with over 60 distinctive woodcut impressions. Okay, this is 1563. Okay, so go back 400 years. That was how they created books, okay? So it was over 1,500 pages. It was big, thick, and incredibly heavy, so heavy that it would take two hands to carry it. The book detailed the passionate all-in lives of people who gave their all for the cause of Christ. It was originally titled Acts and Monuments of Perilous Days in 1563. <laughs> Perilous Days back then, 400 years ago. What would he say nowadays? Acts and Monuments of Perilous Days. It later became known in Christian literature as Fox's Book of Martyrs. So I want to read to you a few accounts of some people that gave their all. In A.D. 44, by order of King Herod, James who is the son of Zebedee. Remember the story we shared last week of James and John. They're, they're fishing, and there's Peter and Andrew are fishing, and Jesus comes, and he says, come follow me. And they drop their nets and go, and Zebedee waves goodbye to his sons. James, in AD 44, by order of King Herod, he gets killed by a sword. Luke, the physician, who we love to read out of, uh, he was hung in an olive tree. Doubting Thomas was pierced with a pine spear, and he was tortured with red-hot plates and burned alive in India. In AD 54, the proconsul of Hierapolis had Philip tortured and crucified because his wife had converted to Christianity after hearing Philip preach about Jesus. Matthew was stabbed in the back in Ethiopia. Bartholomew was flogged to death in Armenia. James, the just, was thrown off the southeast pinnacle of the temple in Jerusalem. And after surviving the 100-foot fall, he was clubbed to death by a mob. Simon the Zealot was crucified by a governor of Syria in AD 74. Judas Thaddeus was beaten to death in Mesopotamia. Matthias, the guy that replaced Judas Iscariot, he was stoned to death and then beheaded. John the Beloved is the only disciple to die of natural causes, but that's only because he survived his own execution. They tried to kill him. When a cauldron of boiling oil could not kill John, the emperor exiled him to the island of Patmos, and he later returned to Ephesus, where he wrote three epistles and died of natural causes around A.D. 100. Now, I don't want to minimize anything going on in any of our lives, um, and God cares for every aspect, but I do want to emphasize there's a bigger picture. There's a bigger picture. There's a, there's a bigger reason why we're on this earth. And I'm encouraging all of us to go all in, to go all in. We're in difficult times. I, I have a feeling that it may only get a little bit more difficult. Um, you know, for some of you, you're seeing it at different micro levels. There's also some big stuff that's been happening globally. On a micro level, like just a small thing, my wife and I, we have our kids going into a, it's kind of like a Christian co-op, if you will, and they have a mission statement that's very simple, that every child would fulfill their God-given potential. And that's their mission statement. It's been that year, that, that mission statement for the last 10 years. And part of the funding for parents like us that want to do that is you get charter funding. So you can put your kids in a charter school and you can use the charter funding to have your kids go through some different classes and different things. Well, because it's a Christian organization, 
they said they can't support, so no longer would any funding be given. And to families, I mean, you're talking, that's, you know, whatever, seven, $8,000 a kid, um, you know, per year, uh, maybe more, uh, that we were getting through charter schools. Since our kids aren't going to a public school system, they reallocate some of that funding through charter schools and give it to those parents to go and, and use it towards their, their kids' school. That's just a small area where there's just a little bit of persecution. It's frustrating. God will provide, and he is, and he has. Uh, but that's just one little area where it seems like the, the heat's kind of getting turned up in, in areas of our lives. And I just want to encourage you, despite anything that comes your way this week, this month, this year, this season, I want to encourage you, you stay all in. You don't, you don't get outside of church. You stay in a community. I was talking to a brother this week, and he was sharing with me, man, I, I missed being at church. And, and I said, I know, we missed you too. Um, not that I keep tabs in roll call or anything like that, but I, I love seeing the family of God when the family of God comes together. And he said, man, there's just something about coming together and being part of the family of God, and it's true. And so I want to encourage you, don't, don't back away from that. Make going to church on a Sunday morning for your family a priority. You know, I know everybody's got vacations, and I hope you take some because I know you were robbed of them last year. <laughs> Everybody takes family vacations, and you go to Florida or Hawaii or wherever uh, you want to go to to go and have a good time. I'm not saying that. I know kids get sick. I know we travel for business, and we got st- I get it. Stuff like I'm not saying that. But when we are home, let's just make the decision. Let's make it a priority to gather together. And not just gathering together, but inviting people to come along with you. You know, so many people, they need what you receive this morning in worship, what, you, what you're going to receive this morning in prayer time, what you're receiving this morning in encouraging word. There's so many people in our lives that need something like that, and they're not getting it anywhere else. The, the best news that they're hearing out there pales in comparison to the good news that we share here on a Sunday morning. And so I want to encourage us all, continue, press into the things of God. James 1.24, this scripture, I have a love-hate relationship with it. You ever have those scriptures where you're like, I know that's the word of God, but I don't like that word sometimes in my life. I have a love-hate relationship with this. It says, consider it pure joy, brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, not just one kind, but many kinds, Consider pure joy when you face trials of many kinds because you know that that testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Galatians 6, 9 says, Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. But what do you do when you don't know what to do? What do you do when the dream inside you doesn't match the reality in front of you? What do you do? What do you do when you feel like, I got a word of God that I've been standing on, holding on, tucked in my heart? What do you do when it's been a year, five years, 10 years, 20 years, and you're still standing on that word? You know, back in the book of Genesis in It's right around 30, I believe it's right around Genesis 38, picks up the story of a young man named Joseph. He's 17 years old, and he has the worst brothers ever, and they sell him into slavery, all right? I've had some fights with my brothers, and maybe you've had some fights with your your siblings as well, but I mean, that that just took it to a whole nother level when you get sold away in slavery. So, So here's Joseph, and at 17 years old, he gets sold into slavery. And, and he ends up going through some tough times, difficult times. He had what I would call a 13-year slump. It was like, 
just when he thought it was going to get better, boom, Potiphar's wife makes up an excuse, tries to come on to him, and he is a pure man. He says no to her. She, she gives a fictitious story, tells her husband, uh, hey, this guy, this new servant boy that you have in here, he tried to come on to me. Like any good serv- husband, he let Joseph have it. And so Joseph ends up in the dungeon, and, uh, and, and away he goes. So Joseph's down there. And it's just like one, as soon as he seems to like get a foot, like he's moving forward in life, he gets knocked back down. But throughout the text, when you read Genesis 38, and again in 39 and 50, you know, 40, all the way up into Genesis 50, it, it's, it said these words. It says that the Lord was with Joseph. So 13-year slump. He had a dream. He felt like he heard from God. And then it was like all hell broke loose in his life. He gets human traffic, falsely accused, forgotten, 13 years goes by, but it says, yet the Lord was with Joseph. And I just feel like the, the word of the Lord, as I prayed and leaned into the scriptures and prayed for you this week, I felt like the word of the Lord to you this morning was that he has not left you, and he's telling you, don't quit. Don't quit on your marriage. Don't quit on your family. Don't quit on the church. Don't quit on your relationship. Don't quit on your faith. Don't quit. He's not left you. It may feel that way, but I feel like God's wanting me to tell you today, he hasn't left you. It may feel like it's dark in that dungeon. He's there with you. He's going to use that for our good. Joseph learned four things that were critical to leadership during that time, four things that he took with them, and time would go on after that 13-year slump. You know the story. Joseph comes out of that dungeon, and he ends up being able to interpret Pharaoh's dream, and then they you know, they, they get him all dressed up looking like an Egyptian. He's got Mac eyeliner on or whatever he had going on. And Joseph comes out, and now he's serving as second in command. Second in command for the nation. And the Lord took that dream and his ability to interpret those dreams and then be able to use it. During that time, Joseph learned four things. He learned what to communicate. That was the message. He learned when to communicate. That's the timing. There's always timing. He learned who to communicate Know your audience. <laughs> know what you're saying and to whom you're speaking to before you say what maybe it is you think you're saying. <laughs> and then why communicate? What's the purpose behind it? What's the heart behind it? You know, and when we planted the church, we, we moved out here. Some of you know our story. We moved out here and we got into town December of 2019 from the nation of Texas. Uh, we came here to be missionaries in Southern California. And I love Southern California. I'm telling you, I've always felt like I was supposed to live here. I don't know why. It's just I always had this draw with this. I think it's because my dad liked the Beach Boys. And so growing up, even though it was raining in Seattle, for whatever region, we always had the Beach Boys on in the house. You know? So I had this dream always. I don't know why, ever since I was a kid, of living in Southern California. And so when the Lord called us back here to plant the church, we move out here in December of 2019. And it was a rainy winter. And we get here. And, uh, and we start, and 2020 comes. You know, in 2020, everybody's like, yeah, 2020. You know, and all the leadership gurus and stuff, they're like, 2020 vision. You know, you need, you need vision for your life, 2020, you know. All the church planter pastor friends of mine, they're like, we got 2020 vision. You know, it's like, we're going to do great things for God. And then, boom, you know, pandemic, you know. And so everybody's like, what in the world, you know. It's all, all my pastor friends that were part of our kind of like graduating class, if you will, of church planters. They're all kind of going like, you know, the sky is falling, you know, chicken little, what do we do? And so we just started worshiping, and it's like, hey, I, I'm doing the only thing we know how to do. And, uh, and in, you know, hindsight is 2020. That's what, that's what 2020 vision, hindsight, I'm telling you, it's 2020. We say that, that phrase 
and everybody knows what it means, right? It's like, had I known back then what I know now, I, I wouldn't have freaked out about what was going on because now I see clearly what I didn't see then. I have 20, 20, 20 vision. And the same thing happened with Joseph in, in uh, Genesis 50, verse 20. Uh, he's talking with our, his brothers, and he says, You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. You know, there's people waiting to hear your story. On the other side of Joseph's trials, of the other side of Joseph, all the crap he went through, man, and he was kicked, beaten, left for dead, disowned, trafficked, I mean, rough times, through all the trials, God can take all of that muck and use it for good. Romans 8, 20, 28, right? We quote that scripture, that God can take all of that and he can use it for your good. On the other side of the trial that you've gone through, you don't know that you now will possess the key that you're going to use to unlock and help them out of the prison that they've been stuck in on the other side of that trial. So you can't quit, you can't give up, and God is still with you. Nicole Edgman, who's one of our leaders up here in the front row, um, years ago, she, a couple years ago, she wrote a book called Braving the Brokenness. And I remember when she was uh, looking at writing that, and she would send manuscripts back and forth, and we would talk about it, the four of us, and read it, and we'd go back and forth on it, and then she would get it published. And it's now uh, actually in Barnes & Noble. You can go to Barnes & Noble, and uh, yeah, she's one of the authors that's in there, so you can go and get that book. And she has led countless women through being able to tell their story. And it's amazing when you learn that God was with you through that entire time, and you can lay a new foundation in the healing that comes when you brave sharing your own story, it's not only healing for you, it's healing for the person coming behind you. And some of us feel like, I can't share what's going on in my life because I'm not on the other side yet. I'm, I'm, I'm still in the dungeon. I'm not second in command with Pharaoh yet. When I'm second in commander with Pharaoh, then I'll share my story. No, the Lord's telling you, you start sharing your story now. I don't have it all figured out. That's okay. Share your story. I remember the, the, the month that my wife and I uh, were ordained as pastors years ago, many, many years ago. Um, some of you know my story. I was a single dad when I was 20 years old. Um, had a child outside of wedlock. It's not something I'm proud of. Um, but through the birth of my daughter, um, I began asking those really difficult questions. What am I doing with my life? Where am I going? And I had dreams at one point for my life, and I kind of threw in the towel on some of those dreams, quite honestly. I was cloaked in shame. I had crazy amounts of pride. Um, and, and I needed Jesus. And we all come to Christ needing Jesus. It doesn't matter how you get there. We all come to the foot of the cross needing Jesus. And I came to that moment where I just needed Jesus. And uh, fast forward, my, my daughter would come back and forth, and she'd spend some time with us, and then she'd go back and, and be with her mom and, and um, and it was a hard situation. It wasn't the best living situation. And, um, but, you know, the Lord was with us through all that. Well, at 16 years old, uh, my daughter's story took a similar turn. She ended up getting pregnant outside of wedlock. And, um, and here I am as a leader in the church, and they're about to commission my wife and I as pastors. And I could care less about being a pastor. I really felt for my daughter in that moment. 
And I just wanted her to know that she was loved and there's nothing she could ever do that would ever take away the love that I have for her. And so, uh, so I just, we loved on her. Um, she felt godly sorrow. You know, there's worldly sorrow, like I got caught. Then there's godly sorrow where it's like, I really actually feel horrible. I've sinned against God. And she had this godly sorrow moment. And, uh, and it was a beautiful time for our family, albeit difficult. She ended up having that beautiful baby girl, my first granddaughter, Avery Grace. And uh, her and that boy, um, you know, uh, I didn't care for the guy much in that moment. But uh, he flew down months later and apologized to me face to face. He wanted to meet with me and apologize to me, ask for forgiveness. And then uh, as time went on, he, he would end up uh, asking for her hand in marriage. And they would be married, and the two of them got married, and now they have another little kid, Brooklyn Bell, and so they got two kids, and they live, and they're on fire for God, and I love seeing what God's doing through their life. I went to our pastors and chatted with them, and our, our pastor looked at me, and I didn't know what was coming. You know, when you feel like you're in the dungeon, you don't really know how this is all going to work out, but there's an aspect where I don't really care. I'm just focused on my baby girl right now. So I could care less about any title. I don't, I'm not a paycheck player anyway. Okay, I wasn't getting paid for anything. And so I just, I just love my daughter. And my pastor sat down with us. And he just said, I want you to know this doesn't change anything. You're a pastor. You're called by God. And all of us need somebody like that in our lives that no matter what we've done, no matter what we think we've done that had us fall from grace, you need somebody in your life that says, you're still called by God. You're a son of God. You're a daughter of God. And despite what's going on, we're going to walk with you through this. We're for you. We're with you. And I want to encourage you today, don't quit. Don't give up. God is with you. No matter what's going on in your life, don't give up or give in to the things of, God, to the, things of the world that's trying to pull you back from the things of God. There's people that need to hear your story. Um, my 15-year wedding anniversary with Fawn, I uh, had the uh, opportunity to take her to New York City. And I had traveled there for business uh, for years. And I purposely, anytime I went to New York, I never did any of the cool touristy stuff because I thought I want to do it for the first time with my wife. And so, uh, so I waited. So on our 15-year wedding anniversary, uh, we had saved up some coin and went out to New York. And we did it up, man. We stayed in the middle of Times Square. Uh, it was awesome. Uh, we, we flew in. It was, a sp it was springtime. And so we went up to Central Park, and we did the rowboats on the lake through Central Park, and it was just beautiful. We did, you know, late night at Tavern on the Green, a kind of famous place there, and, and we, we went to the fun Times Square, all the stuff, Greenwich Village, and, and we went to a Broadway play. And we're at the Broadway play, and, you know, those plays are long. Like, you got to buckle up, man. I mean, it's going to be a long night for you, you know. And so, you know, and, and I'm thinking it's going to be, you know, fun and great and amazing, you know, and, and so we go there, and then, like, after, like, an hour and a half, the, the curtain closes, and you're kind of like, that's kind of a weird place to leave it, and it's like, oh, it's the intermission. I forgot about that, you know? So you get up, and you go, and you go get your popcorn and whatever, you know, and you kind of hang out, and, and then you come back. Well, when we were out using the restroom and getting popcorn and everything like that, there's a whole group of people that go in there, and with the curtains closed, they're working behind the scenes, doing all these things, and when you come back, and they reopen the curtain, what you thought was the finale was actually just the intermission, 
and things were being changed behind the scenes that you never saw, you didn't even know about was happening, and then you sat down, and then you had the next half. I want to tell you today, some people, you're in life, and you think it's the finale, but it's just the intermission, that God's working some things behind the scenes. It's no accident that you're sitting here on a Sunday morning, this beautiful Sunday morning in California. It's no accident that you're here. God has a plan and a purpose and a destiny on your life, on all of our lives. And I would just want to encourage you, do not give up. God is with you. Amen. Romans 8, 28, we know this scripture. We know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to his purpose, you're called according to his purpose. Come on. Faith is knowing that God works all things together for my good. It doesn't say God only brings me good things. All right, that's the false prosperity gospel. Okay, that's not right. We just read Fox's Book of Martyrs. I gave you just the cliff notes, some highlights. It, it wasn't, everything didn't necessarily go, but God used all of that for the good of the church. It used all that for the good of the growth of the church and the gospel of Jesus Christ. So faith is not God only allows good things into my life. No, but he can work all those difficult things that you've gone through for your good. Sometimes God uses the hard things in life to soften our hearts. So back to Galatians 6, 9, where we started. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. God has not left you. Do not give up. I'm going to have the worship team join me up front. We're going to have a time of worship and prayer this morning. Um, if this message is speaking, I don't know, is anybody being ministered to by this? You felt maybe you walked in here a little bit beat up. Maybe you felt a little weary. I'll ask you to just go ahead and come forward. We want to pray over you right now in the middle of the service. We're going to have a time of prayer. We're a people that pray together. We pray and believe great things on every person's life. So if you need prayer today, I want you to be bold and come forward. I'm going to have the prayer team go ahead and come up front with me right now. If you would all just join us and just go ahead and stand. We're just going to stand. We're just going to have a time of prayer this morning. Kara's going to lead us in a song of worship. But if you need prayer for anything this morning, we're going to have just the time up front, and we're going to join with you in praying together. If it matters to you, I'm telling you, it matters to God. If you felt like giving up, maybe you felt a little sucker punch this week by some stuff, we want to pray with you. We want to pray and believe that God is going to move in that situation. If you need healing today, Congratulations, the greatest physician ever is in the house, and his name is Jesus. And I believe that he's going to heal you today. You need to see financial breakthrough in different areas of your life today. Good news, the great provider is here in this house today. If you need to see reconciliation in your family, the great God who is amazing at reconciling is here today. That story that I shared with Joseph and his brothers in Genesis chapter 50, his brothers end up coming back to him. They don't recognize him. And he kind of plays along for a little bit, and then finally he tells them, I'm your brother. And there was reconciliation there. Sometimes as a church, we focus more on the need for forgiveness than we do on the need of reconciliation. And I just want to encourage you, if you need to see reconciliation in family, man, we want to pray for you. We want to stand with you today. God, I thank you for your word. Thank you that your word is life to us today. I thank you, Father, for breaking things. I thank you for breaking things off of people today. God, I thank you, Lord God, that we would not be those that pull back, draw back. We stand in faith. God, we thank you 
thank you for a move of your Holy Spirit in this time together. And I thank you, Father, for touching hearts, meeting needs, mending situations, bringing healing where there needs to be healing. And we thank you for chains being broken today in Jesus' name. Come on, if you're here, just raise your hand. I just want to know who you are. I want to pray for you. If you're here and you feel like this is ministering to you and you just need prayer, just raise your hand wherever you're at. Felt like you were tempted to give up and throw in the towel. that's you and you feel comfortable, just slip out and come on up front. We're going to pray with you with our prayer team up here. They've been praying for you all week. They've been praying for this moment, that you'd be touched by God in this moment. And I'm going to declare some stuff over you and us today. Just go ahead and come forward for prayer. If you need prayer, just don't be shy. Just make your way right up front. Come forward for prayer. I want to declare some things over you today. You are fearfully and wonderfully made, Psalms 139, 14. You are a child of God, John 1, 12. You are righteous and holy, 2 Corinthians 5, 21. And as a child of God, you can live a life that's free from sin. God protects you and evil can't touch you, 1 John 5, 18. Signs, miracles, and wonders follow you wherever you go, Hebrews 2, 4. The world will know that God is in you because his power will radiate through you, Matthew 5, 14. You are bold, confident, and very courageous, Joshua 1, 9. You are a new creation in Christ. The old you passed away. You've been made new, 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Your life bears good fruit, John 15, 5. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for you who are in Christ Jesus, Romans 8, 1. Come on. Your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit used to glorify God, 1 Corinthians 6, 19 through 20. You have clean hands and a pure heart. Psalm 24, verse 4. You have clean hands and a pure heart. It's a good prayer. Come on. God, give me clean hands and a pure heart today. Your mind has been transformed and renewed. Romans 12, 2. You are becoming more like Jesus every day, growing in wisdom, stature, and favor with God and people. Luke 2, 52. You have the mind of Christ. 1 Corinthians 2, 16. You are slow to get angry quick to extend grace and abound in love. Come on, men. Some men need to hear that. You are slow to get angry, quick to extend grace, and you abound in love. Just say that over yourselves. I am slow to get angry. I am quick to extend grace, and I abound in love. Psalm 103, verse 8. You are chosen by God, people. A royal priest that has been anointed to proclaim the good news and see people come out of darkness and into his marvelous light. 1 Peter 2, 9. You are his workmanship, created to do good works, Ephesians 2.10. For greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world, 1 John 4.4. God has not given you a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and self-control, 2 Timothy 1.7. The enemy is under your feet, for you have been raised with Christ, seated in heavenly places, Ephesians 2.6. Come on. Praise God. You have been set free from all sin, Romans 6.8. Set free from all sin. Come on, declare that. You've been set free from all sin. Romans 6:18. You can do all things through Christ who gives you the strength. Philippians 4:13. For you have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer you who lives, but Christ who lives in you. In the life you now live, you live by faith in the 
The Word of God is like a fire that blazes in you, Jeremiah 29. It is a lamp for your feet and a light for your path, Psalm 119, 105. God supplies for your every need according to His riches and glory, Philippians 4:19. God has great plans for your life, plans to prosper you, to give you a future and a hope, Jeremiah 29, 11. Since the Lord is now your shepherd, you shall not want for anything, Psalms 23, verse 1. For God is working all things together for your good, for your called according to His purpose, Romans 8, 28. You don't just listen to God's Word. You do what it says, James 1, 22. Your life is a light that shines before others. They see your good works, and they glorify your Father who is in heaven, Matthew 5, 16. God has blessed your obedience and given you influence, financial prosperity, divine health, and placed you in a position of authority. All that you set your hands to are blessed, Deuteronomy 28. You will walk in the ways of the Lord all the days of your life and dwell in the house of the Lord forever, Psalms 23, verse 6. You will live a life of faith filled with hope and abounding in love. 1 Corinthians 13, 13. I'm going to tell you parents in the room, these are scriptures that I pray and declare over my kids' lives. When my daughter was going through what she went through, this is what I prayed over her and declared over her. And I printed this out for her, actually. And I gave it to her and I said, honey, I love you. I'm asking you, would you just recite this? Would you just join your faith? Would you just, would you just try to say this a couple times a day? And she would start. And now she can stand up here and recite this if she had to. Ephesians 6, finally, be strong in the Lord and in His mighty power. Come on. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God. So when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you've done everything, to stand. Stand firm then, with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with that breastplate of righteousness in place, and your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith, with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, and pray in the Spirit with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. If you're here today and this is igniting a fire inside of your heart and you would say, you know what, Jeff, I don't know that I have a relationship with Jesus, I want to encourage you, today is your day. Today you make that decision, you make this declaration Today you stand on the Word of God. Today you put your faith, hope, and trust. It doesn't mean you don't have questions. It doesn't mean you don't have stuff. We all walk in here with stuff that we'll walk out, and it'll still that stuff will still change. If you walked in here owing 20000 on a credit card, when you walk out, I'm not telling you it's not going to be there, okay? It may still be there. You may need to learn how to steward your money. But maybe outside of there nothing changed, but everything changed because you prayed this prayer today, I want to lead you in a prayer of salvation. And maybe you've prayed this prayer and you're like, dude, I've prayed this prayer many times. I prayed this prayer when I was here, when I was here. Oh, and I fell back again, and then I prayed it again, and then I came back, and it was like two steps forward, five steps back. One step forward, two steps back. And you're like, you barely made it to church today. Can I, can I tell you, you're in good company. All of us barely made it to church at some point in our lives. But I'm going to pray this prayer with you today. It's a prayer of salvation. 
It's not a magic bullet. It's not unicorn sunshines and rainbows. It doesn't mean everything's going to be perfect after you pray this prayer. In fact, quite honestly, after you pray this prayer, like I said at the beginning, heaven rejoices, but hell takes notice. And that's why you need the family of God around you. So don't just connect to God and pray a prayer and make the most important decision of your life and not connect with his people. God's calling you to connect with a body. So I'm going to lead us in a prayer of salvation. If that's you, if you need to pray this prayer, pray this out with me. Let's just go ahead and pray this together. You know, a lot of times, actually, we close our eyes at this moment. And it is a holy moment. It's a personal moment. If you want to close your eyes, you can. But I want to just encourage us with just our eyes wide open. Let's pray this prayer. Let's declare this together as the family of God. If you can't pray this prayer boldly when you're surrounded by other believers, you won't be able to pray this prayer publicly when you're surrounded by unbelievers, all right? Let's pray this prayer. Jesus, I need you. I need your forgiveness. Come into my life today. I believe that you are the Son of God, that you lived, died, and rose again, that I might have eternal life. I receive you now as my Lord and Savior. So come into my heart, Lord Jesus. Wash me. Cleanse me. Fill me. Use me. Let me never be the same again. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. From this day forward, I will walk in your ways all the days of my life. And I will dwell in your house forever. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me, for loving me, for forgiving me. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Can we just give a, a hand clap, celebration, something for all those people that prayed that prayer? You know, Jesus loves you so much, he'll take you any way you come. But he loves you too much to leave you as you were. So I want to encourage you after service today, I want to personally talk to you. I want to be right up front praying for people. If you want prayer for anything, we want to pray for you. We're going to have a time of worship now. As Kara leads us in worship, I encourage you to press in. If you need to go, I get it. You need to go. I hope you have a beautiful, amazing, awesome Sunday and an incredible week. And I want to encourage you, stand strong in the grace of God. Don't you quit. Don't you give up. Despite all you're going through, you may feel like you're in a dungeon. I'm telling you, God is with you, and he got awesome plans for your life. Amen? Amen. All right. Kara, go ahead and lead us. For more information on Authentic Church, visit us online at AuthenticOC.com.